Well, hey, happy Sunday. It is so great back to be back again with you today. And today is actually my birthday. And so uh, I can't think of anything better to do on my birthday than to be able to talk about the message I'm going to talk about today. So as I always say, if we have never met, I would love to meet you sometime if you would come in person here at Next Level. Well, two weeks ago, we began this series with this question. What am I doing here? Right? And I shared how that can be a critical question to ask in many areas of your life. We talked about how you can ask it in your job or in your relationships or in your marriage or like I did uh, a number of years ago now in your parenting. Uh, there are a lot of important areas where we need to be asking that question. And the reason is it drives us to live lives more intentionally. And when we live lives with intentionality, we make better decisions and we accomplish more. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, not only is it important to answer this question around our career or relationships, it's critically important to ask this question about our faith, our relationship with Jesus. And it is a vitally important question to ask about our involvement with Jesus's church. And as we talked about the last couple of weeks, there is a lot, a whole ton at stake in how you answer that question. So two weeks ago, we set this whole thing up with this amazing little statement that James, the little brother of Jesus, made when the early church was facing kind of their what are we doing here moment. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 19, he makes this very powerful statement. He says this, and so... My judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And what James is saying is basically, hey, let's not get so caught up in ourselves that we make it difficult for people to find Jesus. In fact, let's do everything in our power to make it easier for people to find life in Jesus. And the weight of those words led me to ask our staff to spend some time back in August Spend some time with Jesus asking him what he would want them to do in their ministry to make it easier for people to turn to God in 2023. And I shared some high-level examples uh, with you a couple of weeks ago on what we want to do. And if you missed that message or you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch both of those. It can be found on our website, nextlevelchurch.org. But there is an amazing list of 96 different things that our staff, your staff, felt God wanted us to go after in 2023. And all 96 of those items fit into three categories. Providing for people here, preparing for people not yet here, and pouring into people who will never be here. And last week, I talked about those first two categories. Providing the, the, the items that provide for people that are here and prepare us for people who are not yet here. And I shared a, a bit of Next Level's history and how our church 18 years ago was built on the sacrifices of people, many of us, we don't even know. And how some people, they sold their homes and they moved here from South Florida. How others sold businesses and others left their traditional churches. And all of them gave money, all to create a place for people to find a relationship with Jesus. People they didn't even know. And here we are, 18 years later, sitting in this place and hearing this message and finding life in Jesus because of the sacrifices they made way back then. And then I shared with some of you the things we feel called to do as we prepare for people who are not yet here. People we don't know. 
yet. Today, what I want to do with our time is talk about that last category of things. Uh, the last category that we feel God wants us to do in 2023, which is to pour into people who, quite honestly, they will never be here. When I say here, I mean this space, this building, this place. To do that, I want to go back to the question we've been asking all throughout this series. What am I doing here as a Christian? What am I doing here as a Christian? As we think about that question, again, I want to go back to Jesus. I want to go back to a mandate that he gave his very first followers, and then I want to look at the implications of their doing what he said, and then I want to look at what is at stake in us doing the same thing. But before I do any of that, I want to show you a picture. This is the Roman Colosseum. Okay, obviously not how it looks now, but this is how it might have looked when completed in AD 80 by Emperor Titus. It had four levels and can hold over 50,000 spectators. Now, we think of it as a place for gladiator trials, which it was, but the Colosseum was also a place where prisoners of war were killed for amusement. In fact, Emperor Titus, when he defeated Jerusalem, he took nearly 100,000 prisoners of war from Jerusalem back to Rome. And uh, he took hundreds of thousands of these Jewish prisoners and he killed them. Many of them forced to fight hungry wild beasts or, angry, or, or against the professional gladiators who destroyed them. This place was a symbol of Roman power. It was ground central of a show of force and the bloodlust of the Roman Empire. It was a place where death, strength, and brutality were celebrated. Later... This would also be the place where other Roman emperors would kill Christians for sport, all the while mocking their Jesus. Keep all of that in mind as we turn to Scripture today. So if you have a Bible or you want to pull it up on the Bible app on your phone, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses in Matthew 28, and then we're going to jump over to a couple of verses in Acts chapter 1. And to set the context for this, in Matthew 28, Jesus has died and been placed in a tomb. Uh, it's been about a day and a half since they buried Jesus, and two of Jesus' followers have headed out to visit the tomb. And when they arrive, they are met by an angel who tells them Jesus has risen. They get excited, and they run back to tell the other disciples the news. And on the way, they meet Jesus, where he says, when you get back, tell everyone to meet me in Galilee. So these ladies share the news with the disciples, and then the disciples head out to the spot that Jesus had said to meet them. So we're going to pick up here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I want you to notice this right here. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, because I like to talk about this fact every Easter. But notice that there was doubt. Even as some saw a resurrected Jesus. So if you have doubts about this whole Jesus thing, you're in good company. You can still have doubt and faith. They are not mutually exclusive things. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. And there is so much packed into that one sentence. Honestly, we could spend an entire series just unpacking it. But basically... He knows what he's going to say next is going to require confidence 
So he is reminding them that there is no authority that supersedes his. So whatever he is about to ask carries the highest level of importance. And here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' first words to the disciples after he is resurrected is to give them a mandate to go and make disciples of everyone. Teach them to live out and obey the radical things that Jesus had taught them. To, to give rather than receive. To love your enemy. To forgive often and quickly. To not be ruled by a love of money. To be a peacemaker rather than a troublemaker. Radical things for his time. And quite honestly, ours too. And that is where Matthew ends. But we know that there's more to the story of Jesus after his resurrection. And in Acts chapter 1, it gives us some more. So let's go there. In the opening verses of Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus spends 40 days after he is resurrected with them. The text says he spent that time giving convincing truths that he really was alive. And one day, they're eating with him, and Jesus uh, is just moments from leaving the earth and ascending to heaven. And while they are eating... He shares what wind up being his final words with them. And I'll ask you a question. How important are last words? Like if you knew you were about to leave and never see someone that you love again, how important would your last words be? Would you talk about things that don't really matter to you? Or would you get to the point and talk about the things that mean the most? I'm betting you would do the latter. I know I would. So Jesus is going to share his very last words. And the thing that he is going to talk about is something that matters most to him. So let's look at this. Acts 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Side note here, they're still expecting him to rise up, overthrow Rome, and restore Israel. And he answers them in the very next verse. Verse 7, he says, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, guys, I'm not going to talk to you about that. That's not for you to know. These next words, though, are very important. These are his final words to his followers, and they are right at the center of his heart. So don't worry about that, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he says this, as, and, and after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So what was at the center of his heart? What was the thing that Jesus desired? It's the exact thing that he shared with them on the day that he was resurrected, that they would be witnesses that they would go and make disciples. Of who? Of everyone. They would start where they're at, in their own town, in Jerusalem, and then they would spread outward to Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the world, to everyone. And so, when it comes to Next Level Church, we carry the same heart and mission of Jesus, to go and make disciples of, well, everyone, beginning where we live, work, and play, but not stopping there. We want to see the kingdom of heaven reach every corner of our city, every corner of our region, our state, our country, and our world. 
and so did the early Christians. They went about sharing Jesus wherever they could. And some, like Paul and Barnabas, left their Jewish roots and began to travel the known world and start churches in places that would have been unimaginable for any Jew. They went to places like Antioch, which was in Syria. They went to Ephesus in Asia Minor. They went to Thessalonica, which was in Greece. All the while, these efforts are being funded by believers back home, believers in Jerusalem, and then believers in Corinth. They were giving so that people they would never meet would find life in Jesus. And little did they know the impact that they would have on the world at large. And around AD 65, Paul is taken to Rome for a second time. He's facing a trial. And before his execution at the order of Nero, probably around AD 67, Paul is able to spread the message of Jesus to soldiers and prominent people in Rome. And in AD 72, following his execution, the work on the Colosseum, the one I just showed you, is started, right? And by AD 80, it's completed, and thousands of Christians are executed in this arena for sport, all for a show of power for Rome. But the seeds of change had already been sown by Paul. To those first Christians making financial sacrifices for the spread of the gospel, they could have never imagined that this Rome, this Rome would fall. To them, strength, brutality, and power would always rule our world. Survival of the fittest was the rule of the land. For Rome, change could only come through a show of power. Mercy was a show of weakness, and good was only represented by what was good for Rome. And into this culture, Jesus gives his plan. Go into all the world, make disciples. Start in Jerusalem, and then spread out from there until the whole world is reached with a different message than the message of Rome. And those early Christians, well, they did just that. They went out, they sacrificed their lives, and they sacrificed their money for others to go to unreached places. And then some 250 years after this symbol of terror and power was constructed, Rome becomes a Christian nation. And then soon after that, the Roman Empire would be no more. And today, the Colosseum is a tourist attraction. If you ever go there and visit, you'll see that there were 80 numbered gates for spectators to walk and enter the Colosseum. And there were four unnumbered gates. One was the gladiator entrance, two more were for VIPs, and then there was the emperor's gate, reserved for the emperor and his family, which led straight to the emperor's seat, which is, as you could imagine, the best view in the Colosseum. And now, if you go there, nearly 2,000 years after its construction, and you head down that emperor's gate, and you visit that seat where the emperor saw thousands of Christians slaughtered and killed, this will be your view. A cross. In the very symbol of everything wrong in life, brutality, brutality oppression, abuse of power, death, now here sits a symbol of eternal life. And if you were to tell a first century Christian that Rome would be no more and in its place would be the cross of Jesus, I'm not sure they would believe you. They had no idea just how far and wide their sacrifices to reach people that would, they would never meet, how far that would actually go. And in that same spirit, in 2023, we want to answer Jesus' call to make disciples. 
not just of people that we encounter, but people we will probably never, ever meet. So, in our 2023 budget, we have 20 items that fall into that category of investing in people we may never meet. There are ways that we'll begin to bring the kingdom of heaven into places and ultimately into people, again, that we won't know. So let me give you a few of these. The first uh, way is we want to do this by making an investment in a part of the world that many of us already have a stake in, the Dominican Republic. Back in 2016, our church came together and sponsored over 360 children in the Dominican Republic through an organization called Compassion International. And in 2018, we went and provided 200 backpacks for school children in the Dominican city of Bajarona. In 2023, we want to go back to the Dominican and help with the construction of a local church in an area where the average family lives on less than $320 a month. In doing this, we're going to link up with a ministry that has worked with 3,000 local churches in the area and has started nearly 11,000 ministries and seen over 140,000 people find new life in Jesus. Bringing it back home, we want to partner. The second thing we want to do is partner with an organization called Carolina Movement, who has a goal to start 100 new churches in 2026. So in 2023, we want to help plant five new churches here in North Carolina. And you might be thinking, well, why do we need more churches? I see churches everywhere. And you're right. There are churches on every corner here. But here's the sad truth. Most of those churches will not reach a single person next year. There are plenty of reasons for that, and it would take me another hour to explore those things. But here is what we do know. Starting new churches is the most effective way to reach people in a community. New churches are built on Jesus' command to go and make disciples. They will do whatever they can to make it easier and not make it difficult for people to come to God. And starting new churches in North Carolina is important because our state's population has nearly doubled in the last 30 years. And at the same time, the number of churches in our state has been dramatically going down. So we plan to help start five new life-giving churches that on average are going to reach 200 people each. So that year it would be a reach of 1,000 people. We also want to increase our support in community organizations. Right Right now we have nine organizations we work with, like Hope Match, Beds for Kids, uh, Bright Blessings, Promise Pajamas, uh, Compassion to Act. In 2023, we want to increase the number of organizations that we work with as well as dramatically increase the financial support that we give them. Places that we're looking at are like the, the Charlotte Rescue Mission and the Common Heart Pantry. And here's the thing. We will probably never see the people that we help through these organizations. But we will play a role in the kingdom of heaven breaking into the hearts of everyone they touch. So these are the things we want to do outside of our local church. All designed to pour into people that we may never meet. And all throughout this week, we're going to be interviewing church planters, talking to our staff about uh, new churches. We're going to be talking about missions. We're going to be meeting some of our current and prospective uh, partner organizations. If you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any of those interviews and any of that talk, uh, you need to sign up for alerts by going to our events page at nextlevelchurch.org events. There you will see a step in the gap, a picture, and a button. If you click on that and fill out the form, once you do that, you will be in the loop 
for everything we have planned in 2023. Now, like I have said every week, everything has a cost. And for us to accomplish everything that we've done in 2022, plus all the new things that I've been talking about for, for a couple of weeks now to do in 2023, that cost is $793,000. You're like, well, I don't really know what it is. Well, that is an increase over our last year, current year's budget of $373,000. This is what we're calling the gap. And this is where I want to challenge you to step in. Just like the early church, I want to challenge us to step in this gap so we can bring the kingdom of heaven to people we may never, ever meet. Consider it an investment in the future of the kingdom of heaven. To reach that goal, to bridge that gap, we will all have to step in faith and show that we trust God. And as I have been saying, I know some of you are going to start giving for the very first time. That is truly amazing. For some of you, you're going to be asked to go way outside of your comfort zone and take the biggest step and give the biggest amount of money you have ever given to a church. I know it's scary. And again, you don't know it yet, but you are about to grow more spiritually than you ever have in your life. Um, People, if we're just honest, we may have to sacrifice vacations. We may have to postpone large purchases. Uh, We may have to take a serious look at, at what we spend on things that we could do without. And like those early Christians, we may be asked to make huge sacrifices, but it'll all be worth it. And here's the thing. We may never know the full impact of everything we do. We may even think that some of the efforts that we're thinking about are hopeless and and nothing will ever change. But that does not excuse us from investing and doing as Jesus commands to go into the uttermost parts of the world with this life-giving message that Jesus lives. And because he lives, you are not alone in this life. God is with you and he loves you just as you are. And just like the early Christians, they, they could never conceive that Rome would ever be defeated. We may be tempted to think that our world's problems are too big. The problems, they're just too great in our city. Let us be reminded. There is a cross mounted in the emperor's seat of the Roman Colosseum. If that is possible, anything is possible. So for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to picture something with me. Picture somewhere out there is a family dominated by the power and the thinking of this world. It may be an abusive home. It may be a home filled with arguing. It might be a home consumed with self. It might be a home where everyone is belittled. It could be a home where your best is never good enough. A home where everyone is working hard to please someone who can never be pleased. A home dominated by drinking or drugs. A home where stuff and money mean more than relationships. It could be a home where bitterness and unforgiveness reign. And just inside the door of that home, past the front room, is a hole in the wall. Left behind from an uncontrollable fit of rage. A reminder that anger and fury rules this house. To that family and to everyone around them, it looks like that will always be true. There is no way that anything different could rule that home. Guys, there is a cross mounted in the emperor's seat of the Roman Colosseum. And if that is possible, anything is possible. 
Now imagine, through your sacrifice, that house hears the message of Jesus. And because of that message, bitterness, anger, selfishness, and abuse are defeated. And now when you walk in that house, just past the front room, right where the hole in the wall used to be is a cross. A reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Now open your eyes. Check out this picture one more time. There's a cross mounted in the emperor's seat of the Roman Colosseum. Nothing is impossible with God. And, and I know that funding what we want to do in 2023 seems impossible. Heck, it's a little scary. But there's a cross mounted in the emperor's seat of the Roman Colosseum. And next week, we get to do the impossible. We get to participate in the impossible. On November 20th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to come together and make our commitments. We're going to sacrifice and we're going to take steps of faith to meet that budget that I showed you. We're going to write down where for some of us is a big, scary number that by faith we're committing to give to God so that people we will never meet can hear and experience the love of their Heavenly Father. Then we're going to give those gifts to Jesus as our sacrifice for next year. And we're going to celebrate together what He is going to accomplish next year through our faith commitment. It is going to be an amazing day. And trust me, we've planned it out. You do not want to miss that day. But for now, take one more look at the cross mounted in the emperor's seat at the Roman Colosseum. And while you're looking at that, would you pray a prayer of anything's possible with me? Let's do this together. So Heavenly Father, thank you that nothing is impossible for you. What seems impossible to me is within your power. And when we think of what it will take to fund next year's ministry goals, one word comes to my mind, impossible. Yet, there is a cross mounted in the emperor's seat of the Roman Colosseum. So God, speak to me about how you can use me to accomplish the impossible. Whatever you ask of me, no matter how scary it may seem, I am choosing to believe you will see me through. You will never let me down. What may even seem like it is impossible in my own finances is possible with you in my finances. Help me to trust in you, the God of the impossible. In the name and the power of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, uh, you don't have to wait till 2023 to give here. Could I ask you to head over to our website at minnesotafulchurch.org? You'll see a big green give button that's there. If you choose, click that and choose one of the giving options, your faithful support will help us this year raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me read to you again uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. May you this week receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and may that power cut through any fear you may have in doing whatever it is he calls you to do. 
Hey guys, have a blessed week. Uh, I hope you uh, everything goes well as you're getting prepped for uh, Thanksgiving to come. Lord, just know that we love you and we're praying for you.